These guys stepped into this out of a passion, so you know that they are dedicated to it. They also research their brains out. Roger and I have been frequent guests on the Oklahoma Senior Journal, hosted by Robin Gunn. This podcast is pulled from an interview we did with Robin that is focused largely around insights that we pulled from a new book called The XX Brain by Lisa Moscone. Moscone is the director of the Women's Brain Initiative and associate director of the Alzheimer's Prevention Clinic at Weill Cornell Medical College. The subtitle of the book is The Groundbreaking Science Empowering Women to Maximize Cognitive Health and Prevent Alzheimer's Disease. We think it's an important book and a topic that needs greater exposure. Moscone's goal is clearly in MindRamp's wheelhouse. Everything that we do is dedicated to improving cognitive health and preventing dementia. But like much of the rest of the brain health world, we have erred in making identical recommendations for men and women. Moscone's major point is that men and women's brains differ in a few significant ways. Women face cognitive challenges that men don't have to deal with. MindRamp is just learning to address these differences, and we have a lot of learning in front of us. So this podcast is the first tentative step in the direction of raising awareness about unique aspects of the female brain that need to be addressed to optimize women's ability to keep their brains healthy and their minds sharp as they age. We're focusing today on the uh, woman's brain, and I tend to have one. Uh, So (laughs) tell me why. Why are we focusing on that today? About a year ago, my wife gave me a book called The XX Brain, Groundbreaking Science Empowering Women to Maximize Cognitive Health and Prevent Alzheimer's Disease. And it's by a neuroscientist and dietitian named Dr. Lisa Moscone. And I was reading her first book, which is about diet and the brain. And I thought, I think Roger and I think it's probably the best single book you can find, you know, with all of the information about eating and diet on the brain. But I, for some reason, I put aside the XX brain and I didn't get back to it until just recently. And part of the reason I think was I didn't think I was going to find anything very new because I, I know that Lisa Moscone believes the same stuff that we do. I mean, she takes very much the same approach. But as I started reading, I realized that, you know, there was this sort of male arrogance almost that I know everything about the female brain. And obviously we don't. And there's a, there are differences, <laughs> you know, yeah. between the male brain and the female brain. And I realized realize that mind ramp really needs to, like you said, we research our brains out. I hope we don't totally research our brains <laughs> out, but you know, we needed to research this because uh, we were yeah. underserving half the population by not really understanding the differences. So I've been reading the book. I've been reading research. I still feel a little bit insecure about it. I'm coming at this more like a, an investigative journalist mm. rather than an expert. So I want to caution stuff that we say today, go and find out more. You know, don't take us as the, the be all and the end all, the final answer, but we will raise 
provocative things that people should look into, you know. So. That's right. I love that. Raising awareness. Not just raising awareness, but when Michael did the deep dive into this just in the last few weeks and mm-hmm. was passionate about this new field that I certainly didn't know about. And the first thing isn't just raising awareness. Oh, you need to know about it. It's what we use with neuroscience and neuroplasticity and all this new knowledge. Knowledge is power. And if you don't have the knowledge, you may look back and wonder 10 years from now, why didn't I just know that way back in 2000 about my brain or my wife's brain? I would have done something differently. The science is here. It's still emerging. So Hmm. Michael and I are going to be trying to find out where this is going. And as of today, we're just going to tell you, here's what we see within the science in one of the best books we found by an author and a scientist who we respect. I just love the fact that you guys are going into a deep dive, like you said, and looking into the women's brain compared to men's. Um, I love that you're doing that, navigating that world. So do you feel like that women get equal treatment when it comes to brain health advice? Well, that's one of the really the big revelations for me uh, is that, no, women are not getting good treatment, either in general medical treatment, but more specifically uh, brain treatment. And there are a number of reasons for that. One of the things which has been true for most of the history of neuroscience research and is just now beginning to change is that almost all of the research was done on men. So you, wow. you don't know that whether women's brains are different. And, and because it's convenient and a lot of research is done at a university setting, it's not only men, but it's young white men mm. you know, who are the test subjects, which is great if you happen to be a young white male. White man. yeah. <laughs> you know, one of the reasons that we want to point that out is that they weren't intending to avoid measuring women's brains and working on them or other mm. things about neuroscience. But the young men are willing to work for pizza. Uh, And they are willing to be there. And most of the scientists for so many generations have been uh, men. So the focus now shifts to undiscovered territory within women's brains. And I like to say they found one thing that I take to heart, and that is that men's and women's brains aren't better or worse than the other. They're just different. Different. And if we don't know that they're different, we're all going to make mistakes. I am. That's so true. That is changing now. I mean, neuroscientists and researchers have realized the mistake that they Mm. have been making. And the National Institutes of Health actually have a requirement now. When Uh, you get a grant from them, you have to include, uh, you know, a component that looks at women's brains as well. So very good, you know, to see, is there a difference? And if, if there is a difference, what is it? A couple of points I wanted to make in terms of like the inadequate treatment is one of the examples is that women metabolize drugs quicker than men Ah. do. So if you get the same dosage, which is what doctors do, they give the same dosage for drugs, it's going to have twice the effect on women. 
my wife has recognized this in herself. So she tells doctors, give me the lowest dosage. Oh, I say the same thing. Yes. Well, there you go. Because you intuitively, yes. you're, you're recognizing what's happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's like if you if doctors don't realize that, they're over-medicating women. Mm-hmm. And that can have oh. an effect on your brain. Oh, absolutely. And I know that alcohol affects women and men completely differently, too. So how are they different? Well, one of the interesting ways to start is with genetic differences. Like Roger was pointing out, women's brains and men's brains are more alike than they are different. Men and women have basically the same genetic material, which makes us human. So we are all human beings and not chimpanzees or naked mole rats or something. And we behave that way. But men and women have different chromosomes, the sex chromosomes. It's called the XY sex determination system. And women get two X chromosomes. That's why Moscone's book is called Mm. Double X Brain. Men get an X and a Y chromosome. And it's, it's almost as though women are the default position. Mm-hmm. If nothing else happens, you become a woman. But if you get that Y chromosome, something like 95% of that chromosome is dedicated to turning you into a man. So right away, you have genetic differences. It's interesting that the X chromosome is much bigger. It's huge compared to the Y chromosome. There are something like 78 genes on the Y chromosome. There are 1,100 genes, you know, on the X chromosome. And if you're getting two Xs, that means you've got women have thousands of more genes than men do. So what is happening with those genes? Mm-hmm. The initial thinking was that the extra X gets silenced. Now, recent research is showing not not always uh, that extra X chromosome that women have, a part of it actually is active. And this is part of the ongoing research is like, what are those genes for? What are they actually doing in women that can't happen in, in men because we don't have that? Right. Genes. So we we need to learn more to figure out what's going on. But the indication is there that Mm -hmm. the genetic makeup of women is different than, you know, it is in men. What really makes a lot of the differences is that the genetic makeup of men and women determines the whole set of sex hormones that we have. And the sex hormones really make, I mean, that's what turns a man into a man and a woman into a woman, Mm -hmm. creates all of the behavior changes. Sex hormones make a huge amount of difference. One of the things that Moscone talked about, which I found fascinating, was pointing out that both men and women go through these major transformations over the course of a lifetime, but women go through way many more transformations, like remodeling of Mm -hmm. the brain. If you think about it, I mean, the first thing is when we're born, the zygote either turns into a female or a male zygote. So that's a pretty significant transformation. (laughs) But then from, from childhood up till puberty, puberty is another major transformation. And men and women, you know, diverge along two different paths. Mm -hmm. Um, And the the whole brain becomes remodeled, like I was saying at that time, 
when you're a child, your brain is filled with brain cells, thousands and billions and billions of brain cells. When you reach puberty, the brain starts pruning away neurons. And it's mm -hmm. almost like reduced by half because the brain is only focusing on those specific actions and the neural networks that are actually important. So literally the brain is reshaped at puberty. But then after puberty, women also start menstruating. Yeah. Men don't menstruate. So there's, there's, <laughs> you, you guys can handle it if you did. I'm not sure. See, that's that's why women, unfortunately, have to take on this burden because they're so much yeah. stronger than we are. <laughs> Thank you. So the hormonal fluctuations over the course of a month, you go from highs of estrogen and lows of progesterone, and then it reverses after you, yeah. you know, so a woman's hormonal balance is going back and forth each each month so that's a transformation that that men don't have to go through right i kind of wanted to touch on the mommy brain and the baby brain i know that um i have never had a child but my sister-in-laws have and they all have talked about that yeah no that's that's actually right on point cuz that was the, those were the next steps major transformations that happen in a female body and brain that don't happen mm -hmm. in men is women get pregnant. Right. And, and your whole body and brain transforms when you become pregnant to being able to host another human being inside right. your body, which is pretty dramatic <laughs> you know, yeah. when you think about it. And so much of the energy and the hormonal processes are going towards supporting the baby. And that's, I mm. think, why people begin to feel mommy brain. You know, it's mm. um, there are hormonal changes. The hormones are being directed not to support the mommy so much as to support the fetus. Mm. Uh, and then, of course, on top of that, pregnant women are not sleeping, they're, they're not eating well, you know, all these other things that go in. So uh, it's not surprising that there is a cognitive deficit. Um, giving birth and carrying uh, or caring for a child is another major transformation. And then finally, menopause. Menopause, yes. Is yes. the major transformation that, you know, happens to female brains that doesn't happen to men. Moscone has this point when she's talking about menopause, but it also pertains to like mommy brain and baby brain. She said, mm -hmm. you are not crazy <laughs> because women start feeling, I think, you know, like you really you know, do. What is going on? <laughs> you know, and what's going on is that your brain is being flooded by all these hormones that have different, you know, agendas, essentially, mm -hmm. and are creating and moving your brain in different ways. And she said, you're not crazy. This happens to all women in different ways, you know, sure. but it's, uh, it's just your body is, women are designed to go through these major transformations, which enables, you know, them to support pregnancy, to bring life into the world. Mm -hmm. And the negatives are the downside of that, but uh, there are also positives. Very positives. Roger, you were wanting to say yeah. something. Uh, Robin, this is a perfect example of Michael and Roger learning something mm -hmm. after our days as a dad to be went by that were those words you're not crazy that's mm -hmm. new science that was not known when our son was born and when michael's daughters were born and 
I look back on that, and even though we didn't uh, think that they were crazy, there's some internalizing of that feeling like, am I ever going to be the same? Now that we know knowledge is catching up with what we should have known then, we're not going to waste any time to get the message out that men have to know this as well as women. I agree, guys. I have learned uh, that women are actually more likely to uh, get Alzheimer's over men. Um, Yeah, let me start up first by addressing why are women 50% more likely to have Alzheimer's. Um, The first thought that people had was, well, women live longer. So the fact Mm -hmm. just the fact that you live longer is means you are more likely to accumulate the damage that's going to lead to dementia. But more and more, the age gap is getting reduced. Men are sort of catching up to women and beginning to realize that it's not so much age per se. It has much more to do with the uh, the changes in hormone, the mm-hmm. hormonal transformations that we were talking about. And estrogen in particular, you know, when you go through menopause, uh, there's a drop in estrogen, and estrogen mm-hmm. is actually protective of the brain. One of the things that I learned, uh, you can go through what's called an artificial menopause or a natural menopause. Artificial menopause is like if you have a, a hysterectomy. So mm-hmm. women who have their ovaries and their uh, their uteruses removed are forced almost into an artificial menopause and the estrogen levels just go zoom down. And that, you know, creates a huge shock to the system. And because you're sort of, you know, making it as simple as possible, you're losing the protective effect that estrogen has on your brain. Mm -hmm. That's part of what makes you more likely to get Alzheimer's. Also, estrogen is protective in another, uh, in a lot of other diseases. So women are more, well, if they have cardiovascular disease or or heart disease uh, or diabetes, those things contribute to dementia. Mm -hmm. Um, Going back to our discussion about women not being treated as well as men, uh, heart disease is one of those considerations. I didn't know this, but the symptoms of a heart attack are different in women than they are mm, in men. Okay. The classic uh, Hollywood thing of grabbing your chest and yeah. that's what happened in men. Women, it's much more subtle. Mm. You don't have this dramatic, you know, men are, I guess, are drama queens. It doesn't <laughs> happen to women. So it largely goes undiagnosed and people will, uh, you know, medical or yeah, will true. say, you know, you're probably just having acid reflux or something. Mm-hmm. Um, Something like women are 50% more likely to die in the first year after a heart attack because it goes undiagnosed. I mean, there are a variety of reasons why Alzheimer's uh, happens, you know, more prevalently. That begs the question then, what can you do? What can women Mm -hmm. do to... A, try to prevent, you know, do something about lowering that risk for dementia and also lowering the the unpleasantness of menopause. And all of this goes back to 
really is trying to regulate the levels of estrogen and regulate the hormones in the body. Again, it begs the question about what about hormone replacement therapy? Right. Menopause, what is it called? MHT, um, menopause hormone treatment. Right. And I'm actually doing that myself, and okay. I'm doing it with natural hormones. Cool. I mean, I I literally didn't. You, you literally do think you're going to go to a clock tower and shoot people, because <laughs> right? Yeah. It, so you so you experience the real difference then? Very much, and it's night and day when you get on some of these natural hormones. Yeah. yeah. What I'm learning, and a message that I want to put out again, and this is getting to into an area where I'm a little insecure, but it's clear that hormone replacement has to be unique to the individual. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's not; it shouldn't be a one size fits all approach. Oh yeah, exactly. You're right. You do go through a lot of testing, yeah, uh, and lab work before she even remotely diagnose, you know, puts anything into your system. And it depends if you had a hysterectomy, you should get one type of hormone yes. theory. And Very if you, you know, didn't have a hysterectomy and still have a uterus, you need to get a different kind. Mm-hmm. And also it seems like the the evidence is suggesting, well, two important things that the closer you start doing the hormone therapy to menopause, the better off it is for you. Mm-hmm. You know, so like you shouldn't. 10 or 15 years after menopause, starting hormone replacement therapy is is not such a good idea, apparently. The second thing, as I understand it, but check with your doctor, it's not great to continue it forever. Mm. You know, it should be done 10, 15 years, something like that. And I think what happens is that gradually your hormonal balance comes back into balance and you get, yeah, yeah. so that you're okay and you don't want to overdo it at that point. So if you can balance out your hormones, that not only helps you uh, get rid of the negative aspects of menopause, but should help protect against Alzheimer's. Well, I wanted to say a little bit more about what you can do to to prevent the risk, what women can do to prevent the risk uh, of Alzheimer's and also to make menopause a little bit easier. there is testing that can be done. And if uh, I recommend going to Moscone's book, because she mm-hmm. really walks you through, you know, those things. But a lot of what she recommends is what Roger and I always recommend for everybody, you know, men and women in terms of uh, minimizing your risks for al- Alzheimer's. And we lump that under what we call the cogwheels. So mm-hmm. Moscone, perhaps because she's a dietitian, but probably more likely because it is so significant is what you eat in mm-hmm. you know, your diet, having a good diet. Yes. Because food is fuel mm-hmm. for your brain and it helps create the hormones and, you know, sort of decide. So having a good diet, uh, getting enough exercise, diet and exercise are two yes. major things that she talks about. And then lowering your stress levels when you're stressed, uh, your body produces cortisol, and what that does is actually diminish the sex hormones that you need, like uh, es- uh, estrogen and progesterone, mm-hmm. and so on. So when you're chronically stressed, you're not getting the uh, the good sex hormones that you need. You know, right. to balance it out. Um, 
enough sleep, if you're not getting enough yeah. sleep, you know, that can, that can, and that's Roger. the problem with pregnancy and motherhood and so on, you know. Roger, did you want to say anything before we head out? Yeah. When you mentioned that you were working with a professional, an expert, mm -hmm. it's precision application because you're not just coming back in a year. You want to work with someone yeah. and you be educated and then yeah. learn from them and work together rather than just come back at a time and say, how are you doing? That's exactly right. And she works with me every four months. Right. Um, all right, guys. Well, uh, how does somebody get a hold of you? And is there a cost for your podcast? Podcasts are free at this point. So you just go to our website, mindramp, M-I-N-D-R-A-M-P dot O-R-G. Go to the, mod, uh, the podcast page and you can just scroll through. We've got, I think, 60 podcasts that you can wow. choose from. Big, yes, that's great. Yeah. I'm going to be writing more about the, the female brain and probably do another podcast, you know, with the information. So that's a great source, I think. Yes. Will you say the book one more time before we've got to head out? Yeah, it's The Double X Brain by Lisa Moscone. Well, thanks so much for listening. The MindRamp mission is to use brain and mind science to help people live long and live well. What we call qualongevity, that is longevity plus quality of life. All of our podcasts and writings explore different aspects of how we go about promoting longevity and quality of life. MindRamp helps individuals and organizations ramp up their brain power by developing and implementing Qualongevity action plans. Our workshops and training programs give you the tools you need to protect and strengthen your brain. And our group or individual coaching sessions help you manage your minds to optimize their potential for efficiency, ease, and creative productivity. So go to the website, check us out, and then click on one of the contact buttons to schedule a conversation with us. We'd love to explore how we can support your desire to ramp up the strength of your brain and the power of your mind. All right, that's it for now. Live long and live well.